This podcast is brought to you by A Copy Match. A Copy Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agopymatch.com. Welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I've combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, each week I bring a guest on to talk about dating and relationships while answering your questions. You can ask a question by visiting askamatchmaker.com. Before I introduce my guest, I just want to take a moment and read you an amazing article that was sent to me by one of my listeners. The article was featured in the New York Times and it's titled True Stories of Hooking Up During COVID-19. It was written by Valeria Safranova. So the article is quite long. It's a great read, but I want to just point out this one part of the article. The subtitle says, boundaries can be sexy. Quote, the pandemic is opening the space for people to have hard conversations about their comfort level, about their exposure. End quote. Miss Sa said, that leads to each person asking themselves, what do you want? What's on the table and what's not on the table? There's a script that a lot of us have fallen into that you have to have sex a certain way. Now the barrier of entry to that conversation has been lowered. In many ways, conversations around boundaries and consent during the pandemic are similar to those that sexually active people have around physical touch, condoms, and sexually transmitted infections and diseases. Quote, the more information you have about what your partner has been engaging in and understanding the consequences of your own behaviors, the more everybody can make a more informed decision about what they want to move forward with, end quote, said Dr. Anisha Gandhi, the acting assistant commissioner at the New York City Department of Health's Bureau of HIV. Ann Nugent, a 26-year-old communications and social media consultant, found herself wrestling with these questions during a November encounter in New York, where she had recently moved from Washington, D.C., The day before she was supposed to meet a date, one of her roommates got a positive coronavirus test result. When she and her four other roommates went to get tested, their results were negative. She told her date what had happened, and he said he wanted her to come over anyway. But when she arrived, he raised some doubts about having sex. Ms. Nugent told him that whatever he wanted to do was fine, and she would leave if he wanted her to. Quote, I think a part of him was like, I'm going to trust this. Maybe it's because he really wanted to have sex, she said. But did he feel pressured because I was there, she asked. Ms. Nugent said that the calculations that daters are engaging in go beyond physical exposure. You're choosing to be physically vulnerable, physically risking COVID, and you're also being emotionally and mentally vulnerable by trusting this person, believing what they're saying, she said. Ms. Sa said that having to ask questions about another person's comfort level has forced many of us to consider what consent means. If you have to ask whether a hug is okay or whether you can take off your mask, you learn to honor your own boundaries and other people, she said. We're getting so much practice that we weren't getting. End quote. Ms. Nugent realized that during the pandemic, she has found hesitation and caution to be appealing traits in a date. So, I mean, well done on journalist Valeria Safranova on this amazing article. Definitely look it up. New York Times, it's titled True Stories of Hooking Up During COVID-19. When I read this part, I felt like we've become full circle because check this out. On March 13th is when President Trump went on TV and gave that weird Oval Office address that I think caused more questions than answers. 
but it was kind of like the start of the pandemic in the United States. It was March 13th. And that's also the same day. That morning of March 13th is the same day that Weinstein was found guilty for sexual assault. And here in this article, nine months down the line, 10 months down the line, people are now talking about consent. People are now talking about boundaries. And I just feel like I'm trying to find the way it's connected. I mean, it's connected. I feel like, you know, look at how the pandemic started and how it's going, you know, and I think we've really gone full circle on this. And to be honest, I welcome this. I think this is a, a major positive for dating during COVID-19. So, you know, well done to, again, to Valeria Safranova for shedding light on this. This is just, yes. Wow. Anyway. All right. So let me introduce this week's guest. Uh, I'm very excited. Her name is Margaret French. I actually discovered her on TikTok, but Margaret met her husband, Cody, five years ago. And nine months later, the two of them met their would-be girlfriend, Jamie. That's right. They are a thropple. After coming out on social media a few years after that they had found an audience in education of the world polyamory. Margaret, uh, welcome to Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So just let's go with the basics really quick. You live in Mm -hmm. Tennessee? Yeah, we just moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee about four months ago now. From where did you move from? Uh, from Denver. So we, oh, I, wow. I lived in Denver from the time I was a young teenager and Cody moved there like seven years ago, I think. Um, and Janie a few years after that. So we all met in Denver, but decided to take the plunge about four months ago and moved down here. That's a big change. Yeah. Well, we were supposed to have made an even bigger change. We had everything literally everything set up to move to the Czech Republic in April of last year. (laughs) So the, I think it was two weeks before we were supposed to move was when the first travel bans went into effect because of the coronavirus. And we had already sold basically everything we owned, given up our apartment. I mean, we had an apartment booked in the Czech Republic. We had plane tickets, everything, jobs, everything lined up. Um, And then Obviously, that did not happen. So we ended up moving in with my parents for six months because we were kind of under the impression that at some point this would be over. Uh, We were so Uh, naive in the beginning. I constantly talk about this. Yeah, no, I remember like like a week before we were supposed to move, there were travel bans in place and I was freaking out because my parents are lovely, but you know, moving in with your parents in your late 20s is never something you want to have to do again. With two other people. Right. And they, they moved into their empty nester house. Like it wasn't even like we were moving into my childhood home. This is a small house. I was telling myself, well, maybe like worst case, it's like a month. This can't go on for more than like a month and we'll just be a month late. We'll get out there and it'll be fine. And then, yeah. So (laughs) we decided sort of put everything on hold, move out here, sort of try something new, see how this goes. And then maybe eventually head on to Europe once travel is safe and smart again. And in the meantime, just start our lives here. What do you do in Tennessee? So I used to be in construction sales uh, as Mm -hmm. Cody was as well. And sales reps were very quickly on the chopping block for COVID. So currently we are looking into starting our own real estate company out here. Um, The market's really great and we have the construction expertise. So we're kind of odd jobbing it for the moment because... 
coronavirus. <laughs> totally. I totally get it. Well, yeah. I think that's awesome. I love the tenacity that you're it's one it's one day at a time. That's what I keep telling people. Exactly. So. Yeah. Well, and I'm definitely a person that's always had like a five year and a 10 year plan. And that's obviously had to go out the window. Um, so just kind of bumming it. But you can a have a five week, a but you can freeing. have a five week plan. But, and that's and that's exactly. perfectly acceptable. Like I think we need to stop exactly. putting that much pressure. In fact, you know, um, two weeks ago we had our resolutions episode, and um, Charlie Lester, my guest, and I, we talked about how like you know those can be really soul crushing, especially when you think about things over through a year. And so, you know, one of the things that we suggested is you can write down resolutions by the month. So every first yeah. of the month, I mean, I do this with a lot of my clients, but every first of the month, what do you want to accomplish this month? And then break it down to like attainable goals. So instead of saying, I'm going to work out, you know, five times a week, you can say stuff like, well, I'm going to work out 17 times this month. And that yeah. actually can help you out because there are going to be days where you might be sick. There are going to be days where you're just not feeling it. Um, certainly the news right now is really distracting and emotionally draining. Yeah. And, you know, I just, it's so, I wish I had the article in front of me. It's also you know, emotionally and anxiety, it's emotionally draining and anxiety inducing and your body mm -hmm. physiologically, when you consume stressful information, it does go into a rest mode where you need some time to recuperate after what you've seen on TV. It's well, okay. and I think it's all about sort of resetting your mindset of like, I'm someone that's always been very ambitious, wanted to get a certain number of things done before, you know, this date and resetting your mindset of like, okay, I am surviving in the midst of political upheaval and a global pandemic and just getting through the day. That's enough sometimes. And that is enough. Like you can't, you know, I got really angry with a person that I know. In fact, I got so angry and friended him because Margaret, you don't know this, but I have two young children. In fact, one of them okay. was born in the beginning of the pandemic. She was born in May. So Good it's Lord. been like really stressful here. And he had written this post a few weeks ago saying stuff like, if you're not utilizing this time during the pandemic to learn a new language or learn uh, or join a virtual course and learn something or work out or learn to be vegan or whatever, he just like made all these like, then, you know, you'll never get this time again. And, you know, da, 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 da. And in my head, I'm thinking like, first of all, like a lot of what you just said does not apply to parents of young children. Like I'm not trying to learn yeah. a new language right now. I'm not, I'm just trying to be emotionally <laughs> together all day for my clients and my family and not in that order. And then I thought, well, you know what? He has a kid. So why, how can he say that? And then I remember that he's divorced and his wife has the kid most of the days. So, you know, if he has a kid every Wednesday and every other weekend, then yeah, you have, I suppose, free time to not only say the stuff that you're saying and do them, but to even pre even preach this way and not, I don't know. No, yeah, you're exactly correct. And it also depends on the type of person that you are. Whereas I, like personally, I was diagnosed with a severe anxiety disorder as a kid. So that's been like mm -hmm. a, the, not even a struggle, but just like a fact in my whole life. So, you know, my body doesn't, process stress correctly. So I have to take a nap sometimes just because it's too much. There are other people out there who are thriving right now. And that is awesome for them. But the idea of having to like casting judgment on how people are dealing with trauma, because we are like as a world going through trauma right now. And the idea of like casting judgment on how people deal with trauma is like really gross to me, honestly. Yeah. When did you become aware that you suffer from uh, what it seems like debilitating anxiety? It was a long process because 
I was like 10 or 11 when it first started manifesting severely. Uh, looking back at my childhood, like you can definitely see that I was ha having panic attacks from a young age that just because it was the early 90s, people were, doc even doctors were seeing it as like, oh, she's just a fussy kid. She's throwing a fit. So when I was like 10 or 11, I had to miss a whole bunch of school because I was, I was sick and sort of seeing the homework pile up and everything pile up on top of me was just like this crushing weight. And I got out of bed one day and I just fell down. Like just, I'm walking, I'm not walking anymore. Basically what was happening was I lost all control of my large motor function. So what? my arms and my legs would just stop working. And they thought it was a brain tumor. Like I had MRIs and CAT scans and EEGs and like every test you can put an 11 year old through to try to figure out like what was wrong with me and so we went through all of this and finally we saw the head of neurosurgery at the uh, children's hospital in LA because I, I was born and raised in LA and she was like oh no she's fine like physically she's fine she's just having panic attacks like this is a panic attack she made my mom videotape one of these like incidents and we brought the, the tape in and she like watched it and she's like oh yeah this is a panic attack like you just need therapy and drugs. Um, so then obviously it was like a whole journey through that. And now like I haven't lost large motor function since before college. Um, so it's been a long time. And now it's just like pretty standard panic attack symptoms um, and not nearly as often as- I Do mean, you still take when I was medication? Yeah, I went off of medication when I was in high school because I was an idiot. And just through like sheer will for a very long time, forced myself to like get through the day. And then a couple of years ago, I was still getting through the day um, and like still like a productive member of society, had a job, all of that. But I was just like kind of constantly miserable because it was taking so much out of me just to keep going every day. Mm -hmm. um, so I did go back on meds and I've been on meds for like, I think three years now. And honestly, it's been so amazingly helpful. And I was very lucky that the first medication I went on worked for me because one of the hard things with anxiety and depression medication is it can take so many steps to get you somewhere there that you're feeling better. And the adjustment period can be really bad. And I was really lucky that my only adjustment period was that it just absolutely destroyed my appetite. So I would eat a single bite of food and then feel so full that I felt sick. But that lasted only a couple of weeks and then I was fine. And I was really lucky that that's been like a pretty easy step. But I also got lucky and found a really good doctor. And then she unfortunately changed practices. So I can't see her anymore, which is just devastating, especially when you've gone through any sort of diagnosis process, especially as a young woman, getting diagnosed with anything is insanely difficult because like the medical system is literally like doctors have training that tells them to listen to women about their pain less even if they are female doctors like they're just trained not to listen to women about their pain because of misogyny and the patriarchy and so finding a doctor that was actually like listening to me and taking me seriously was I mean I was 25 the first time a doctor like I fully felt like confident with the doctor and telling them what my problems were and I had gone through a lifetime of seeing hundreds of doctors so but yeah, no, it's working now. I'm, I'm good most of the time. But then, you know, a global pandemic and everything. I get it. I get it's, it. It's like I easy. said, yeah. you know, one day at a time. Well, mm -hmm. let's talk about fun stuff. Let's talk about relationships. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you are in, am I late? Did I label this or you've labeled this? You are in a throuple. 
yeah so everything happened very organically so we were not like good about labels um but there's not really a good word for a couple of three people um so you can also call it a triad people call it a triad uh I don't like that word for whatever reason I don't know I just think it's like an ugly word I feel like in Greek it'd be called a tridima which is triplets oh I like that let's go way back so you met yes. Cody first right mm-hmm. Cody and I just matched on tinder I had gotten out of a pretty serious relationship I was quite young but I literally thought like I would marry this kid that I met as a teenager we all go through that phase yeah, right of course. yeah um, we all go through that <laughs> so I'd gotten out of that relationship it had been a very intense like long distance at times international relationship awesome but not the last relationship. So I was just having a year of like freedom and fun. I was in college or just getting out of college. You know, I had lots of dates and sort of finding myself, all of that. And Cody was just supposed to be like another notch on my bedpost type thing. We matched on Tinder. And the day I met him, I was like, oh no, I'm going to fall in love with this person. And that is not what I had planned for this moment. So within our first or second date I was like god I did not think I would meet the man that I was going to marry at like 22 but Mm -hmm. here we are what was it about him that made you feel like this is the person I'm going to marry we just have very similar worldviews like we're not the same person by any stretch of the imagination and we don't agree on everything but like on the big stuff we did he's four years older than me so he was in his late 20s when we met and I knew that I didn't want kids. So that was like one of the first conversations we had was like, once I realized that like, I really liked this guy, I was like, just so you know, like I'm not planning on having kids because I didn't want to waste my time with someone that did because I knew that that wouldn't work out. And he didn't want kids and we both wanted to travel. I had lived in Australia before. He had actually almost accepted a job that would have taken him to Australia um, around the same time that I lived there. So that was one thing that... I needed from someone like that's someone who could be spontaneous and sell everything they owned and move um, at the drop of the hat if it was the right opportunity at the right time. Uh, But also someone that like paid their bills and was a functioning member of society and was not intimidated by the fact that there would be days that I would just be laying on the floor sobbing and have no control over it and have to help me where they can, but also just kind of let that happen. Uh, Because you can't really fix what's wrong with me. You just have to be supportive. And like I said, we had all those conversations really early just because I knew, like, it just felt right on top of that. It just was good. You know, I love that. I feel like, I mean, I've said this before too. Like when I met my husband, I knew on my second date with him that I was like, oh yeah, this is the guy I'm marrying, which I didn't, I don't remember feeling that for anyone before. Like I was just like, "Mm, Yeah. yeah, okay. And it was values yeah. driven. It's like, whatever they're sharing, it's like, yeah, this is, we're not the same, but man, our worldviews are really similar. And I think that right. is, uh, I think that's paramount to, you know, a foundation in a relationship. Yeah. Okay. So you are dating. Do you get married yet before you meet Janie? No. So we, we were dating and um, I'm bisexual and I had known this for a while, but really in that I had. I had jumped into a relationship, a monogamous relationship with a straight man when I was very young. I think I was like barely 
2018 when we started dating. So I hadn't had a lot of time to like explore that side. And I had really been exploring in the year, I like the over a year I was single in between him and Cody. And I didn't really want to give that up. And I had been just casually with people in the past who were in non-monogamous setups. Um, Most of them not not exceptionally healthy. Um, but I had seen it done and I sort of like knew in my brain that that was possible and that I thought that I was emotionally mature enough to make it work. And I thought Cody was emotionally mature enough to make it work. So pretty early on, we just started sort of very casually dating other women. Uh, Cody is straight and, but he's happy to let me explain war and so we kind of started off really casually just threesomes that was something that I had done before he had not um, so just navigating that together and mm-hmm. this was like I said really early in our relationship so we started our relationship with a lot of communication because you can't do something like that healthily if you're not talking about literally every emotion you're feeling boundaries because <laughs> exactly but the moment you start bottling up emotions especially when it comes to sex and non-monogamy things get volatile really fast so it was like one of our first priorities to talk about everything even if it was uncomfortable even if we thought it was oversharing how did you know that was it because you had experience before I think yeah part of it was experience just from seeing other people do it and mostly see people do it wrong in my opinion Um, but, but also my previous relationship the big the big one Um, ended because of a lack of communication it wasn't it didn't have anything to do with non-monogamy or even like jealousy but it was it it was a relationship that I genuinely believe like even today even being very happy where I am that if we had been older and more mature and talked about how we felt we could have lasted like we were very good together but we just didn't have the tools to communicate and I've also because I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder when I was 12, I've been to a lot of therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. So I have been told my whole life, like communication is important and knowing yourself and knowing why, like knowing what emotions you're having and why you're having them is really important for processing. And so knowing that I really liked this guy that I had met, I really liked that he was open to my non-traditional views on sex and relationships I didn't want to screw that up I knew that communication was the first step to not screwing it up so I think a lot of it was just like being very stubborn and determined to make this work and then you meet Janie how'd you meet Janie yeah so we met Janie online as well when you say we like you were dating on like together looking to yeah Mm -hmm. like was like a particular app or this app, I don't know if it's around anymore. It was called Rinder for a time, which was just an awful name. It was like a three N D E R, so it was like a Tinder, but for threesomes type thing. And then there was one. Then it changed its name to Field F E E L D, like playing the field. I think was the idea. It, it might be around still as Field. I'm not a hundred percent sure. So, but it was specifically designed for like seeking non-monogamy. It's funny because the app was like, depending on the apps you use, like it was either under my name or as Mag or Maggie and Cody, just depending on what it was. Um, but I'm terrible with flirting with women. Like I'm still bad at it. Like 
I am excellent at flirting with men because you're just mean to them and they then they want to have sex with you. <laughs> but with women, there's like so much more involved. Um, so Cody would actually do like a lot of the messaging um, and the talking because I was just so so bad at it so it was it was a group effort for sure and then we would just meet whoever we were meeting up with together always together always open and yeah we met Janie it was like nine months later I think she's the one that's good with dates and anniversaries and stuff just through one of those apps we went out and we got drinks and we just clicked immediately we were chatting like a fur we had a very long date that night just chatting in the bar and then we I like joke that we weren't looking for a girlfriend she just like kind of came over and never left when Cody was going through the app to talk to women that didn't give you any anxiety no I think it's partially just like how I'm wired I'm not a jealous person like if Cody were to cheat on me at the time it would have been the dumbest thing he could possibly do because like I'm literally giving him free reign to you know mm-hmm. explore but also especially early on if he found someone that he clicked with better than me I w- wouldn't want to like make him stick around if that makes sense like I want us to be together because we are the people we most want to be with in the world and that might have been like naive of me at the time I don't know because I mean it worked out um but sort of the way I saw it was like, if he would be hap- more healthy, happy elsewhere, why would I want him to be here how long and be unhappy you, with me? How long have you, Cody and Janie, been a couple? It's kind of fuzzy because we've known each other for four years. The first like year, it was very casual, more of just like a friends with benefits type thing. So it's about three years of like being pretty seriously like dating, calling it a relationship. Hmm. You know what you are. You're a trinity. Huh. Ooh. That's a word. Right? It's a group of three people. Trinity. Yeah. Not the biblical like like definition, the 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 dictionary definition. Sorry, I've just been thinking about like try words while you're talking. (laughs) (laughs) So you were casual for the first year, and now you you, I'm sorry, you've been together for five years, you said? Cody and I have been together for five years and we've known Janie for four. That's crazy. Like, like that's yeah. just such a long time to be with someone. And in the meantime, you and Cody got married. Yeah. So we got married just over two years together. Well, that's also fuzzy because we got married in the courthouse and then had our wedding. So our courthouse wedding was before two years and our wedding wedding with family was after two years, but about two years in and that we were we knew Janie at the time we were much more casual with her at that time and really the six months in between us getting courthouse married and wedding married um, and like publicly married was like the six months where we really developed more of like a proper relationship with Janie and the main reason I never thought I would get married at 24 I always thought that was way too young to get married but Cody didn't have health insurance and I did and we knew we loved each other and that we wanted to be together for the foreseeable future so we you know he needed health insurance and I had it and we loved each other so it was a very millennial reason for getting married yeah totally millennial people think my wedding date is when my husband and I got married and we got married in Greece in the summer of 2016 but actually in December of 2015 we had our courthouse wedding because my insurance as a business owner was just piss poor. 
And yeah. I was like, Hey, George, you have like really good health insurance. Let's get a courthouse wedding six months before. And maybe, maybe and it's like funny, like one of my friends joke, like, Oh, you know, green card wedding. And I'm like, no, no, no. He doesn't, he has a green card healthcare wedding. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. So to go back to <laughs> your you. Trinity, yeah. cause that's what we're going to call it. Um, yeah, so like that. It sounds like sexy. I have a lot of questions, but I know a lot of my listeners have questions too, because I put it up on mm-hmm. Instagram yesterday and like a ton of people messaged back. So can I ask you, do you mind if I ask you some questions? Yes. Great. No, go for it. So I guess I suppose one of the first questions, I mean, the most common question you received is about jealousy. Do you mm-hmm. feel jealousy? And if so, how do you control it? Yeah. So, I mean, no, none of us are, are like jealous people. We've never, you know, I, I wouldn't describe that as a trait that any of us hold very strongly. That doesn't mean we've never been jealous before or, you know, felt othered or unequal in the relationship because when you have three people, that's, that just is going to happen. Like, I'm not going to tell anyone that's trying to get into this or interested in getting into this, that it's like always going to be a hundred percent even, and everyone's always going to love everyone the same amount. And everyone's always going to get the same amount of attention. Cause that's just not feasibly, it's not feasible. It's not possible. But if, and when any sort of jealous feelings come up, we just talk about it immediately. We work through it. No one is, or the goal is, you know, we're still human. So we still make mistakes, but the goal is that no one is judged for having the feeling or the reason they're having the feeling because whether or not your your feelings are coming from a perceived place or a real place your they're your feelings they're valid and they need to be discussed and respected so if someone is feeling left out or ganged up upon or anything we sit down as a family we talk about it we figure out why that's happening and what we can do as a team to fix it because that's the goal the goal is always to make everyone as happy as possible that is a really great answer I, it's just like it's funny I'm trying not to put myself in your position but like you can't help as a listener but think like yeah I that mature and I think <laughs> like for me I don't think I am that mature I think that first of all I just know that if me and my husband had another person in our relationship I would totally be talking shit about that other person to my husband all the time <laughs> you're looking at me like, no, I don't know. We're like, we're, we're no, not like that. <laughs> no, it does. No. I mean, yeah, it does happen. It's a, it's a, any group of three people, like you're going to have your days where you are pissed off at your partner and you're talking about it with your other partner. Like that definitely happens. Totally. Okay, like, That makes me feel like a lot better. Okay. Yeah. No, we <laughs> like, we are flawed for sure. And usually if someone is talking too much shit and, you know, it's just like in a bad place or whatever, the other one will be like, okay, like you have a person, you have like the other person literally lives in this house. Go just be a mature adult and talk to them instead. And, you know, we kind of use each other to keep ourselves in check when maybe we're not being our best selves. (laughs) Do you each like so how is this set up? Like, do you each have your own separate rooms and then you sleep with whoever you want to sleep with that night? Do you sleep all together? I know that's like a really microcosm no. example, yeah, but I'm sure yeah, it no, also, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really common question. We get that one a lot. So we've never 
had a house that we've all three made together, if that makes sense. So Janie moved into Cody's and my house a couple years ago back in Denver. And then we lived with my parents, which doesn't count. Um, and now, right now we're actually living in an Airbnb here in Tennessee. We are in the process of purchasing our own home and renovating our own home. That's amazing. Um, so that will be the first home that's going to be like ours, all three of us together. So we've always had two beds. We've had a king size bed in like our main bedroom and then a queen somewhere else because three people in a king is just, it's fine occasionally, but for every day, it's just too many bodies in one bed together. Plus we have three cats, all of whom sleep in bed. So it's just six bodies in one bed is just too many to sleep well. So in our new home, we are lucky enough because Tennessee is so reasonably priced, especially compared to Denver or even larger cities we've all lived in. We were able to get a pretty big house and it is literally just cinder block walls and a roof right now. So we have free reign over everything. So it will eventually be a master bed and then three smaller bedrooms. And the plan is right now to give me an office, Janie an office, and then have the guest bedroom because Cody doesn't want his own office. So we may put beds in multiple offices. We haven't kind of gotten there yet figuring out what we want to do uh, but we always have at least two beds we have to and then how do you decide who gets to sleep with who every night it's really random um so there have been times where we've been more methodical about it if like certain relationships were a little bit rockier because it's the d- dynamic is always changing and evolving I mean with like with any relationship right there's just an added level there of another set of relationships So there have been times where we've been more methodical about it, but for the most part, it's just whoever hasn't been sleeping lately gets to sleep on their own or whoever has to get up early has to sleep on their own. And usually this is like kind of counterintuitive, but usually it's people fighting to sleep on their own, not to sleep together. Oh, wow. Okay. I did not expect that. And then um, how about like outside of the bedroom? Like who, how do you decide for instance, okay, this is pre COVID now, but do you all go to the same concerts or same movies together? Or do you have separate date nights with each other? That also kind of depended. Before COVID, my job had me traveling about one week every month. So I was gone a lot of the time. Um, So Janie and Cody got plenty of alone time at that point. Um, Carving out my alone time because I was the only one that traveled often was a little bit harder. But it if it's a movie all three of us want to see, all three of us go see it. Um, if it's something like, I don't watch horror movies, so Janie and Cody will go see horror movies together. Um, Janie isn't in, as interested in the stupid blockbuster, like Fast and Furious movies. So Cody and I might go see that together and literally anything super feminine. I have a girlfriend built in. So we, you know, see all of the silly stuff together. Janie and I watch our trashy TV together. Like that's built in for so us. So you'll be so, watching like COVID. Sex in the City reboot next week. Exactly. You're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Before COVID, you know, we would make points to go out, you know, if Janie and I hadn't had a night together in a while, we'll make sure to go out and like have a date. Now everything is up in the air and, you know, none of that is easy. There is no alone time anymore. We are all in the house all the time together. But before that, yeah, it was really just like what we were feeling. And again, just communicating like, hey, I feel like, I haven't been seeing such and such recently. Can we go on a date? Yes, absolutely. Let's make time for that. 
Great. Okay. So someone asked this amazing question. What is your least favorite assumption people make about your relationship? Huh, I like that. So this is one that I don't think most people are making, um, but especially since we've been more open on social media and TikTok, especially people will always assume mostly that Cody and I are taking advantage of Janie in some way, or that we are purposefully blocking her out of aspects of our relationship because he and I are married and Janie is not legally tied to us. So people will, and I mean, it's social media. People can be amazingly rude on there, but you know, people will say things like, well, you know, one day they'll just leave you and they'll just drop you. And you know, what will you have at that point and all of this and what will happen when they break up with you and that sort of thing, which is just, I mean, it's obviously hurtful. Um, because it's a little bit of projection too. Yup. Because yeah. it has something to do with you guys yeah. being in a Trinity. It has like that question someone could say as well, like, about a person in a two-person relationship where it's like you're putting in this effort but one day this person's going to leave and you'll be left with nothing and actually you know now that I even said that out loud it reminds me of I had set up a client who dated someone for two years and she comes back to me and she's like you did such a bad job and da 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 you know she's kind of going on and on about how awful I am and I had to remind her I was like you were in a relationship for two years with someone you traveled to eight countries together you spent Christmases together you went to your grandchildren's baptisms together like you created a lot of memories with this person and yeah maybe it's not a life partnership but would you have rather been single the last two months and like if you were that's fine too but then you would have never hired me either like I can only do my job is to introduce people I have no idea what kind of girlfriend or boyfriend you're going to be right you know, I can only yeah. pray that you guys figure it out. So, and I think right. that kind of person who would say stuff like, what a waste of time is the same person who could also say to someone in your situation, they're going to leave you and you'll be left with nothing. When it's like, well, they could leave right. you. They have, they're, they're two capable adults who could leave you, but that doesn't mean you're left with nothing. You're left with the experience of having been in a Trinity. Right. Well, and that's, I mean, I know at least for me, personally like I don't know if relationships are built to last 50 60 70 years I know that for sure if Cody and I are still together in 50 years it will be absolutely nothing like what these first five years were like Mm -hmm. so the idea of not even diving in because I'm afraid of what's going to happen like there was a point where Cody and I could have pumped the brakes and said like okay the things are getting really intense with Janie like we're really like something is evolving here. We don't know what it is. You know, maybe like this could blow up in our faces and it it won't end well. Like that is totally true. But I've had my heart broken before. I'll probably have my heart broken again at some point by something, right? I don't think it even has to be like Cody and Janie and I could die together and we could still have our hearts broken at some point, right? Like that's just life. People break your heart. But the idea of not trying at all just because something could fall apart doesn't make any sense to me right I mean that's that's life anything that's yeah a definition of life um right are there any other misconceptions that you encounter about your relationship a lot of people think that it's all about sex or that we must be having wild sex all the time 
and that we must be so tired because of all the sex we're having and the amount of our relationship like not that we don't have a good sex life like we do but the amount of our relationship that's just like normal like everyday stuff like you know who's going to do the dishes or who didn't take the trash out that sort of thing like that is that is our relationship that is what every relationship is ours just happens to have another person who will also conveniently forget to scoop the litter box. This is probably going to be a stupid question, but do you only have sex with the th- all three or do you ever have sex with just each other? It, sometimes it's with just each other. It just, it's again, like who's feeling it, who's not, what's happening that day, all of that. And you don't feel any jealousy. I, I'm not going to say I don't feel any jealousy ever because or FOMO maybe not even possible. jealousy but like FOMO fear of missing out although you probably know what your yeah. your no, partners no. can do it's not like you're missing out on yeah anything. no I mean if two partners are going to be having sex with just the two of them and the third person's not there there's a reason why the third person's not there either they're not feeling good they're not physically in town like whatever it's not just like eh, I don't feel like having sex with you right now so I'm gonna have sex with the other one you know no I don't know that's but that's <laughs> um that is I never thought Fair. of it that way like what you just said that makes sense to me wow okay I have not personally encountered a lot of polyamorous people I suppose like mm-hmm. I have a colleague who does matchmaking for polyamorous people but I haven't encountered it personally where I get that opportunity and honestly right I'm okay not like your life seems so complicating to me like the more (laughs) I like it makes sense like your answers are so perfect Mm -hmm. but like it also seems like a lot of work and you know I struggle right now with my clients just meeting one person where they could just communicate openly with each other but you uh-huh. have to take this like really active approach to communicate with two people. And those two people have to have a very active approach in communicating with two people. So that's a lot of work. Yeah. We say like when Cody and I started dating Janie, we didn't go from one relationship to two. We went from one relationship to four because there was the relationship between me and Janie, the relationship between me and Cody, Cody and Janie's relationship, and then how all three of us work together in one larger relationship and it's never perfectly syncopatic between all four like I will never like I would never claim but like and if you have do you know why I thought of the trinity Mm -mm. do you know what the trinity symbol looks like so it's a triangle with a circle Uh in the middle designating the four relationships okay I like that yeah so you know that yeah okay that makes sense what you're saying I mean it has it must be really tough And right now you're only giving your perspective in the sense of like, well, I don't really feel that much jealousy or we communicate, but you know, Cody and Janie, they also have their own emotions that they have to Mm -hmm. deal with. They have their own stressors in life. How did your, I don't know if you have a relationship with your parents, although I guess you live with Mm -hmm. them during a COVID, but how did your family and um, friends react to this? We all have relationships with our parents and we are all open with all of our family very lucky. And extended family. Yes, we are. We're extremely lucky. It kind of happened gradually, like with everything else. Um, I am very close with my family and my family is the only one that lived in Denver proper. Uh, so while we lived there, like I go to Sunday dinners with my family. Oh, well, when we lived there, we go to Sunday dinner every week when it, there's not a pandemic and so and I always we are we are a family that takes in strays so it's not uncommon to bring 
friends, boyfriends, other just random people that don't have somewhere to be on Sunday night, they come to family dinner and they all call my mom, mom. So Janie started coming to family dinners when we were still just friends. And like, we were also friends with benefits, but like, obviously we didn't talk about that with our parents because we're not crazy people. But Janie was just around all the time. And I think my little brother figured it out first. My, my little brother is also gay. We were raised being super open and accepting. I was raised uh, going to church in LA where they, we had gay priests, we had women priests, we had black lesbian priests, like it was very open. So I didn't even realize that being gay was like even an other until I moved to Colorado and was hit with a wave of culture shock. And so that was never like an issue. Like I didn't even really come out to my parents. I just told them one day like, oh, so I'm dating this cute new girl. And my mom was like, oh, you date girls. And I was like, yeah, I think so. And that was it. So my brother figured it out first and he immediately told my mother because of course he did. And we were, my mom and I were at the art museum in Denver and there was this impressionist painting and it was a woman and a man sitting at like a cafe table and it looked like they had just gotten, like they just finished a fight and they hadn't really resolved it. They were just both pissed at each other. And a, th a second woman staring like straight into the quote unquote camera, looking just annoyed with everything. And my mom sees that and she goes, huh, it's you guys and Janie. And that was like, how my mom like sort of acknowledged and I was like so you know that JD were like and she was like yeah I know like you're not subtle whatever and so that you're was like telling subtle. my parents you're <laughs> not subtle that's an epitaph yeah. right there yeah how about Janie or Cody's parents yeah so Cody's sis so Cody's sister did live in Denver and we it, it was pretty much the exact same thing with her where he was like so you know Janie's like you know, a family member. And she was like, yeah, we know. Like, again, you're not, you're not subtle. She had been to family parties and stuff. Janie's family was a little bit more difficult. They are in upstate New York and they are very, 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 very religious. So just her coming out as bi was very contentious. And then as bi and polyamorous was again, another big step. Um, that's not really my story to tell, but She's, right. they're in a really good place now and like kind of shockingly good considering how she was raised and how they were raised and they are like, they speak to us and her mom's excited to meet us and all of that. That has been a really lovely growth that we've seen. That's awesome. Okay. So yeah. how big is the polyamorous community? If you know the answer to this, how big is it in this country? So I don't know any like facts or figures or anything, but it's surprisingly big. I think most people would be surprised if every single person they knew who was polyamorous came out about it, just how many people that would be. And I, I think it, it could be anything from just like swingers who just have fun casual sex on the side all the way through to something like us where we are in a very committed relationship and then through to people that are in committed relationships with more than just three which I cannot fathom <laughs> um, but I think it is I mean I do think people would be surprised how many of us are out there and one of our goals and like being open and talking about this is to the more mainstream things like this become, the more mm -hmm. people see it and see that it is just like three extremely normal people, you know, that just have very average lives are also living this, that it's not only, it's not just like 
you know, people on the fringes of society doing this, the more they're going to feel comfortable coming out about it or exploring it themselves if it's something they're interested in, or at least just seeing it in public, you know? Right. Well, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's definitely, I think with more awareness and with more exposure, everything can not necessarily, I would hope to go to a place of acceptance, but at least even acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't think there are definitely some people in the polyamorous community. um, And I say community very loosely because it's not like we have meetings or anything. Um, (laughs) But there are people out there who think that monogamy is dead and that there's no reason to be monogamous and that polyamory is the only way to go. And I definitely don't believe that. I think that there are people who are meant to be monogamous and there are people who are meant to be polyamorous and neither is wrong. They're just different and that is fine. And that people who are polyamorous should not be pressured to be monogamous and people who are monogamous should not be pressured or told that they're wrong to be monogamous. They are both equally valid in every way. If someone wanted to become or not become, if someone is polyamorous and they want to pursue what you, Cody and Janie have, how would you recommend they go about it? I, we get this question a lot um, from people who are curious and where your little correction of to become polyamorous or are polyamorous. I think that's, even that's gray. Like I don't see being polyamorous as, as like my identity, the same way I see like being bisexual as my identity, like being bisexual is something I was born as. I've, you know, always been attracted to men, women, and others, but being polyamorous is something I choose because I happen to love multiple people. That's not the same for everyone. So there are people that polyamory is part of their identity. There are people who they think that they could never be in a monogamous relationship. I've been very happy in monogamous relationships. It just depends on the person. It gets very gray and fuzzy, Um, but you were not wrong in either, either way. I think going back to your question, I think finding people on social media really helps. There are communities on different social media apps. I think honestly, TikTok is one of the better ones because people are really honest on there. Reddit is a cesspool. Polyamory on Reddit is an awful, awful place. No one should ever go on that subreddit. It's terrible. Don't go on there. There are like dating apps like Field, which I do think is still around, but those ones are good even if you're not ready to get into a relationship yet or explore that side. Just meeting people on there who have done it before have a little bit more experience. But I do always caution people that there are obviously predators everywhere, but polyamory can be very closely linked with the kink community, which I do like again, I mean that's a community I've been part of as well. And I don't think that's inherently bad, but there can be a lot of predators, especially older men looking for younger women who are usually bisexual. And it can be, there can be a lot of grooming and a lot of really grossness in where those two communities interact. And I've, we've had people ask us, you know, like very basic things, like I'm new to a polyamorous relationship, but the two people that I'm dating are not kind to me or they shut me out of things and I feel really like disrespected or whatever and I don't know what to do what to do because I want to be polyamorous but I don't know how to do this and it seems like it should be simple but if someone's treating you poorly leave like that's not polyamory that's abuse and you don't have to be there just because this is a relationship setup and this is how these people are telling you this relationship setup works because it doesn't have to be and 
I genuinely believe that polyamory can be more healthy than monogamy, right? That can be just because we have to communicate so much and because we have to talk so much and we have to be so open and so we have to be so aware of our partner's feelings because the moment you stop caring about your partner's feelings is when things go bad, but you can also get very swept up in it. And when you do have two people or more telling you that this is how it is, it can get really overwhelming. And if you're new to it, you can take them at their word when their word doesn't mean anything. So I just like to caution people that just like every other community out there, there can be bad actors um, and not to accept that for yourself because no matter who you are, you are worth better. Margaret, this just, thank you so much for answering the question. It's really (laughs) excellent. I love the way you um, approached it. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us on Ask a Matchmaker. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Where can I send people to find you if they want to follow you or learn more about your life? Yeah. So all of my social media is under the handle MRGT French. So my name just without the vowels at the beginning um, on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Those are like my three big main ones. Uh, TikTok is where I have the most followership, probably where I'm the most active for anything thruple or trinity related um it's three dot mountains um and we have a joint instagram a joint tiktok and a joint youtube as well uh the youtube and the tiktok right now are not active but with everything working out we should be getting back to posting multiple times a week at the beginning of february if everything works out okay so we've answered all of these questions and more on our uh youtube So that would probably be the best place for like thruple information. Sure. Excellent. Well, I'll include those links in the episode notes if anyone is interested. Awesome. Um, Definitely give Margaret a follow. She has been such a great guest in answering your questions and of course my questions. And uh, I feel like I have just a lot better insight on, you know, your, not just your relationship, but like what a healthy relationship in a Trinity could look like. Because I've, I've encountered other couples speaking about their relationships on other podcasts. And I always kind of leave with a very weird, it, it's like we said before, it's like grooming a third person yeah. into something. I'm like, this sounds like abuse or this sounds like cuckolding. Like this doesn't sound like, yeah. so well, it sounds, it sounds yeah. like what you have established is love and caring and yeah. respect. And I appreciate that. Well, and I think not to get off on another tangent, because I know we're wrapping up, but it's very important for us because Jamie is a third person and the odd man out like Cody and I, we were hot and heavy from our first date, we were together. And so Jamie had a lot of like catching up to do. So for us being aware that she's coming in at like what could be seen as like a detriment and making sure that Mm -hmm. she feels more loved because Cody and I know we are our forever people, but, and Janie knows that too now, but that took a lot more work. And if you don't want to put in that work to make that third person or whatever number person feel welcome and feel loved, it might just not be the setup for you. Right. Thank you again for joining me on Ask a Matchmaker. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. If you love what you heard and you have not already, rate, review, and of course, subscribe. Do you have a dating or relationship question? You can visit askamatchmaker.com to submit your audio question, your written question. You know I love audio questions. So if possible, send those audio questions, but you can write them too. I have no no issues. Hopefully we can answer them on a future episode on the pod. You can also follow me on Instagram at matchmakermaria for more dating and relationship tips. On TikTok, I am at, at 
real matchmaker Maria because someone is squatting on matchmaker Maria on TikTok. Anyway, it's all right. Until next week, be lovable and more importantly, be likable. See you next week.